It happened in a small town, in an unassuming village, far removed from the cities of the wise and powerful. A young family arrived for a census, an event so incredible and momentous that it would divide history. In this humble place, where those dwelling held on to hope and retold stories from ancient prophecies of a coming king who would set them free, the incarnate word of God would soon arrive. Instead of rulers in lavish spectacle, he would be revealed to the meek and humble through the voices of angels proclaiming joy to the world. Those patient, faithful souls who sought him, despite endless years of waiting, found at last the fulfillment of a promise and brought gifts to honor his majesty. In that moment, Messiah was made manifest, not with trumpets, but with the cry of an infant. In this little town, mighty God became flesh. The Prince of Peace made the earth his home, and his light left the darkness broken. He is Emmanuel, God with us, always.
good morning. Good morning, everybody. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas Eve, actually, right? If, uh, if you got a little one, uh, if you got a little one, we have bags in the back for them if they want to run back there and get one. Um, today is Family Praise and Worship Sunday. In other words, we call it One Big Family. And uh, on, the, on the months where there's fifth Sundays, the kids stay with us for the whole service, which we don't do that every week, but uh, today is one of those days. So if you notice, the kids are with us this morning. So having said that, that means it might be a tad a little more messy, a little more loud, uh, but we're a multi-generational church and we like our kids to be with us now and then for the whole service. So that's what today is. And uh, we're glad to have them with us. And, and they help us do the service and participate in what we're doing. And you'll see that in just a moment. But uh, it's good to have you today. So we do have our, our 6 o'clock uh, candlelight service tonight. If you're interested in being there for that, I know people were kind of doing one or the other, or maybe both. But it's good to have you this morning. And uh, I don't know about you, but I'd rather have snow than this fog on Christmas. But that's just my opinion. My opinion. Um, and if you have, if you have another opinion, you're wrong. Okay, I'm just just want to throw that out there. I'm kidding. I'm joking. Uh, let's take up tithing offerings. So if you have uh, giving today, you can prepare that offering envelopes from the chairs in front of you. If not, wave your hand around, and one of our ushers will help you out. Um, and we appreciate your giving and your faithfulness in your giving to the church. And we pray always for good stewardship and what comes into the house. Not only wisdom and what we do with it, but that God blesses it and goes above and beyond what we could ever imagine uh, what could happen with it. Amen? So, um, family praise, or yeah, I call it family praise and worship. It's one big family, uh, and the kids are with us. So, uh, helping us out today, I have Sawyer's going to come and pray over the offering this morning. So, everybody say hi, Sawyer. Hi. Sawyer, how old are you? Thirteen. Thirteen. And it looks like you're about as tall as me right now. Oh, you got big boots on, so am I allowed to do this a little bit? Stand up on my tippy toes? Okay. Well, Sawyer's going to pray over offering. So everybody bow your head. And uh... All right. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that we just remember that tomorrow is, is for you. It's not, it's not us. We're, we're remembering you, that you came down on this earth for us, that you came and died on the cross for us, that we just all remember that and... Just give tomorrow. It's not about us. It's about you and other people, just to bless them. I ask that this message is good, and I pray for the offering. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Sawyer. Thank you. You have something you can bring it down this morning. Uh, a couple quick announcements before we get our Bibles out. Um, don't forget, coming up, uh, January the 7th kicks off our 21 Days of Prayer. And we'll give you more details about 21 Days of Prayer next Sunday. Uh, next Sunday is New Year's Eve, um, but we obviously have our normal 10 a.m. service as always. So we hope to see you there for that. And we'll, we'll kick off uh, the coming New Year together next Sunday and some different things I want to talk to you about uh, concerning that. But 21 Days of Prayer is coming up. That's an important time for us. We're a praying church. We're a pray first church. And uh, no better way to kick off the new year to spend uh, the first part of that month in prayer and fasting. So we'll talk more about what that involves uh, next Sunday morning. So that's all I'm, I'm going to get into uh, for announcements. We'll tell you some more things uh, starting in January because we've got small group kickoff in February, details about that. So things are coming up. We're excited about what's coming up in the new year. But before we get there, let's, uh, let's open our Bibles. If you have your Bible, go to uh, the book of Matthew in chapter number 2. And we're going to start there in verse 1 in just a moment. Uh, we've been in a series entitled, See the Savior. Uh, looking at the different uh, Christmas stories that we have in the Gospels in Matthew and Luke and, and aspects of different characters that are involved in the Christmas story that we find recorded in our Bibles. And looking at uh, Jesus through their eyes and what was happening in the birth of Jesus uh, and as it impacted them and uh, caused reaction from them. So today, we'll be looking at see the Savior through the eyes of the wise men. Now, we talked about the wise men last week a little bit because we talked about King Herod. And you can't talk about King Herod's reaction to the birth of Jesus without involving the wise men because they, they were bound up in that story together. 
Uh, well, we didn't get into the wise men last week, but we're going to do that today. So to help me read uh, our passage for this morning, we have Miss McKenna's going to come read. So come on down, Miss McKenna. There you go. And she's going to be in Matthew chapter 2, and she's going to read verses 1 through 12. You ready? All right, go ahead. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in these days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who had been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was be to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rules of Judea. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. When Herod summoned, summoned the wise men secretly and Jump in here. Ascertained. Ascertained from them that what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I might too come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. Behold, and behold, the star they had seen when it rose, went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced ex exceedingly. exceedingly with great joy mm -hmm. and going into the house, worshiping him. They opened treasures and they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Oh, good job. Good job. That was a long one. That was a long one. Good job, McKenna. All right, so the wise men saw a star that they uh, believed showed a sign that there was a king being born, and they... Uh, they traveled to find this baby being born, and they, they eventually end up in the courts of Herod and interacting with Herod. Um, wonderful story that wise men seek Jesus. Those who are wise will learn to respond to revelation and seek him. Now, I, I want to contrast something this morning. Can I do something real quick with you guys? Can I talk about a little bit of history real quick? I'm a history buff. I love history. I actually have a history degree. I love, I love uh, reading about history. I want to I put this in context because uh, there are things about the time that Jesus was born and the things that happened when he was born in the context of the Roman Empire, right? That, that's what was happening. Roman, the Romans ruled the world pretty much when Jesus was born. And there are things that, that those who originally read these Gospels as they were written would connect some things to um, that kind of draw contrast with what they were seeing in the world around them. So, all right, here's, here's some history. How many of you guys ever heard of a, uh, of a man named Julius Caesar? Anybody? Okay. Julius Caesar was pretty much the ruler of Rome. And about 44 B.C., about 44 years before the birth of Jesus, Julius Caesar was murdered, okay? And uh, his adopted son, uh, Octavian, kind of assumed rule of Rome. Now, Octavian, his name was eventually changed to, to Augustus Caesar. So if you read the book of Luke, that's, that's who's there. Now, after Julius Caesar was murdered, they threw, uh, put on seven days of games in Rome to honor Julius Caesar. And something pretty wild happened during those seven days. 
in the stars and in, in the sky, there was a comet that came and sort of hung around over that area during the seven days of those games. Now think about that. And what happened was Julius Caesar was the first Caesar that they moved to deify him. In other words, from Julius Caesar on, the, the, the Caesars were seen as uh, lesser gods, and they began to worship them. And Octavian, Augustus Caesar, was one of the guys that kind of pushed that through. So Augustus Caesar himself became uh, kind of like a, a god that people began to worship, okay? Now, what's really interesting, Sly, let's throw the coin up on, on the screen that I, I have back there. This coin was minted and put in circulation about 20 years before the birth of Jesus. So, by the way, that's Latin on there. Now, I took two years of Latin in high school, and finally, after all these years, I get to put it to use. So here we go. All right, so you never know. You never know when what you learn in high school will be put to use. Anyways, so this coin on the front side, that, that is an imprint of... Caesar Augustus, obviously, it's pretty obvious in the, in the Latin. And on the back side, that says divine Julius, or Julius Caesar, divine. And notice what's imprinted on there, a star, a comet, that was supposedly was over that area during these games that honored Julius Caesar, okay? And uh, this coin being put in circulation about 20 years before the birth of Jesus would probably still have been in circulation when Jesus was born. So in other words, the Jewish people in the area being a part of the Roman Empire using currency would have known of this coin, if that makes sense. Now, I say that to say this. Here comes Matthew in the Gospel of Matthew writing a story about these wise men who saw a star in the heavens and, and derived from the star that there is a king being born somewhere. You see the contrast of the stories here. Matthew turns the story of the first Caesar being called divine because of a sign in the heavens. He takes that story and turns it on its head. And always this, this saying or always what is going on with the early church and early Christianity is, Jesus is Lord, and Caesar is not. He contrasts this. So the wise men, uh, there, there's a lot of debate on exactly who they were. The Bible says they came from the east, maybe from Persia, maybe from Babylon, maybe from uh, the Arabian desert, but they come from the east. They don't know exactly who they were, certainly of nobility because of the uh, gifts that they brought. And by the way, um, it would have been a, a uh, thing of honor. It would have been known in the ancient East that when you go and see somebody that's sort of a superior over you, that you always come bearing gifts, which we see in this story. Um, could have been of, of nobility, maybe uh, of advisors of some sort to somebody, maybe priests of some sort. But these wise men come because they saw a sign in the stars. In other words, they practiced astrology. Now, if you know anything about Old Testament scripture, practicing astrology is not allowed. It's condemned. You are not to go out into the stars and try to find signs in the stars that, that direct your life. Don't do that. But it's amazing how God will show up in things that you wouldn't necessarily think you would find him in. And, and why these wise men uh, knew this uh, Jewish king was being born to go travel, maybe, maybe because it exiles into Babylon years before in the time of Daniel, maybe, maybe there was some uh, knowledge there uh, left behind by the exiles that were taken from uh, Israel at that time that, that was still there. They, they drew these things together. We don't know. But wise men brought gifts now, have you ever heard the Christmas carol, We Three Kings of Orient Are? We don't know that there was three of them. We just know there were three gifts brought. So we just assume there were three of them. We don't know that. But three gifts were brought by these wise men. It took them some time to travel from wherever they came from. 
Because if you notice in the story, when King Herod went to murder all the boys in the, in the area of Bethlehem because he was nervous about this king being born, it was those two years and under. So in other words, let me blow up your nativity scene in your mind that wise men were not there right when Jesus was born. They came sometime later when he was a toddler, maybe between one and two years old. So they traveled a long distance bearing gifts as recorded in Matthew. Gold, uh, and then by the way, there's a lot of people that would feel that these gifts represented something. Gold, uh, something of value representative of uh, a king. Frankincense would have been some sort of perfume maybe representative of, of royalty. Uh, myrrh, which would have been an anointing oil, maybe representative of his future burial. But they brought gifts because they were coming to who they believed a king that was born. Expensive gifts, worthy of a king. See, the wise men traveling was symbolic of something. It's symbolic of the fact that we find fulfillment of what the angels proclaim to the shepherds in the field. That it is good news of great joy that is for all of the people. See, Jesus in his ministry, he first went to the lost sheep of Israel. But it did not stop there. As we know, the good news isn't just for the Jewish people, but it's for us Gentiles too. And the wise men coming is very symbolic. Before we have uh, Acts 2 and, and the Holy Spirit coming, and, and you see uh, at the day of Pentecost when they begin to speak in tongues, there's, there's people from different nations that understood them in their language. Again, symbolic that this is going beyond Israel to all the world. The wise men coming in the birth story of Jesus states it. That the good news of this king that is joy for all the people is for the Gentiles as well. So much that the Gentile nobility would travel so far to bring gifts and to worship him. It's good news for us. Psalm 72 and verse number 10 is sort of prophetic about what happens here with the wise men. It says there, may the kings of Tarshish and of the coastlands render him tribute. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts. May all kings fall down before him and all nations serve him. Amen. That's the good news of Jesus. So because of that, we can say this. So Lila, throw that screen up, please. Wise men of every race and tongue still seek him. But here's the thing. You don't have to seek far. God has drawn near to us. Amen. See, God in flesh arriving as a baby, and this is this kind of a theme of this whole series, God has drawn near to us. He gets in the mess of our humanity in order to save us. But how many know that God in flesh, Jesus, isn't on the earth right now? I haven't seen him. I'd like to book him for a conference this year, but he's not available, okay? He's not here. He ascended. But yet, the Holy Spirit was sent to us to gift. God has drawn near, and he has never left. And he's near to us. But here's the thing. Wise men, those who have an understanding, those who have seen revelation, still seek him. And we don't have to go far, but God is near to us. And... and I love this part of the story about the fact that they brought expensive gifts. You see, there's a contrast here. We'll, we'll talk about this in just a moment. There's a contrast here. Last week, we contrasted King Herod and the baby King Jesus. But this story also brings a contrast between King Herod and the wise men. Herod, obviously of nobility, he's the king, and, and the wise men of some level of nobility, they, they bring expensive gifts that though Isaiah 61 says that the good news is preached to the poor, Isaiah is literally prophesying that those that are outcast, those that are on the outside of things, that those that are not well-to-do financially, the good news comes to them because it gives them hope. 
But yet, the good news also goes to those who do have. The good news also goes to the wealthy. It does go to those who are rich, as we see with the wise men. Now, Jesus, later on in the ministry, he's very, very straight out when he says, it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. But the wise men show it's possible. But what's possible is, is that Jesus will come into somebody who may be wealthy and entirely rearrange their life. And the things that they have no longer mean as much as they thought. And they will now come bearing gifts. You see? So the good news is for all the people, Jews and Gentiles, it's good news for those who have and those who do not have. It is for everybody. So the wise men come to worship, to pay some sort of homage to this king that is born. And our understanding of what it means to worship kind of draws out from this. We think about this more. We have a better understanding of it. It is our life that is our worship. See, this contrast between Herod and the wise men, it kind of goes like this. Herod hears the news of this baby being born, this king, and he's fearful. The wise men hear the news of this king uh, uh, being born in the stars, and, and they respond in wonder and awe that we would do the same. King Herod responds to this baby being born by taking. He takes life. The wise men come and do the opposite. They give and they worship. King Herod's response to this baby being born is trying to hold on to power. The wise men come and put themselves before Jesus, worship. They come in, in a way that is submissive. They come in a way of giving honor. Whether or not these wise men knew it, they were actually wise. You don't have to turn there, but Psalm chapter 14, verse number one says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. And there's large sections of our society that kind of line up in that. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. The wise, opposite of foolish is wise. The wise see signs of revelation and respond in worship. They respond in bringing gifts. Again, the best gift that you bring Jesus is not your tithe and your offering. You know, I, I, I knew somebody that somehow got this. I don't remember which one. It was frankincense or myrrh. I don't remember which one, but they actually somehow found what this was made of and made it. This stuff stinks, man. I don't know. It doesn't smell good to me. Maybe back then it was a good thing. And it got on my hand, and I couldn't get rid of the smell. It was there for days. It was like giving me a headache. Anyways, you, you, it's not about bringing gold and frankincense and myrrh. It's not about that. The biggest worship you bring is your heart. Because the most valuable thing of God is the creation that he made in the highest order of creation is the man that he made for relationship. That's valuable to him. Why is it valuable to him? Well, we know. Because Jesus came to save us. If he didn't care, he wouldn't have come. The first song we were singing this morning and all the different aspects of looking at, at the, a lost person's life, the broken and the weak. He came because that's the state we are in. And he cares so much. He values so much the creation that he made. He didn't kick us off because of our lostness. He didn't kick us out because of our sin. But he drew near to us to save us. We're valuable to him. And our response then is, is our life. Our highest worship is to give ourselves to him. And we pay honor because, yes, he is king of kings, and yes, he is lord of lords, and yes, he is who the scriptures testify that he is. We believe. 
See, God is always seeking to break into this world. And he doesn't do it in such a way that he overrides our free will. But he does it in such a way that he puts himself there. You can respond to him if you want to. That's the good news. So we come bearing our hearts. See, Jesus, baby born, eventually goes to a cross. From a manger to a cross. And see, the Bible tells a parable, Jesus tells a parable, that essentially says this, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So as much as I bring my best gift, my best treasure, that's me, I do it because this king that was born, I really realized that he is the treasure. He is the best thing. And he's the only thing that can save this lost mess of a world that we're in. And that includes you. Amen? So kids, listen to me for a second. I want all the kids to look at me. Even you, Rhett. Can you look at me for a minute? Ian responded, just stared at me. Anyways, what you looking? I know Mr. Nehemiah told me he already opened his gifts this morning. Cheater, all right? <laughs> Cheating. Look, you're probably going to get some gifts. I hope it's what you want, a Red Ryder BB gun, whatever, okay? Maybe that's what you want. Let me know that story. That's a funny movie. Anyways. Have fun, enjoy it. But the greatest treasure that's out there is Jesus. Have fun with your family. Do all the stuff that you're going to do the next couple days. But don't forget Jesus. He is the most important thing. And as you grow and, and you start to learn, you understand what it means more to give your life to him. Every part of who you are. There is no box in your life that you keep from him. He, he gets to open all of it and do what he wants to in there because he knows best. He knows best. He's the one that made you. He knows best. So Jesus is our treasure. So let's bring the best treasure we have. That's our life. Wise men and wise women still seek him. Don't stop. And you will find him. And he will change you. He'll forgive you of your sins. He'll give you a new life. That's why Jesus came. Amen? So I know service is shorter today. I wanted to get you home. But I do want to close out today before we leave and, and partake of communion together. So, so ushers, if you'll help me out and, and bring the tables out this morning. Now, if, you, if you're here, uh, you don't have to take communion. That's fine. But if you want to, in just a moment, you can come forward and, and uh, pick up the elements. If you come down the middle aisle and go back to your seats, and we'll partake together in just a minute. Okay. So if, if you would, if you want to stand and come down and, and grab the elements this morning.
what I'd like to do real quick. So if you don't have kids, give me a couple moments of patience, if you would. If you do have kids, what I'd like you to do is grab them just for 30 seconds. And I want you as a parent to explain to them what this is. Okay? I think it's good that parents take moments to talk to their children about Jesus. Okay? So go ahead and grab your kids, 30 seconds. And just tell them what this is about, and then we'll participate in just a moment. Margo, if you'll tell our kids what this means, that'd be cool. Um, <laughs> are you saved? Are you as Christian hope? Okay, good. Just making sure. Did you tell Jenny? Good. Jenny knows now after all this time. Finally figured it out. So the reason that we partake of this, and we can, is because a baby was born. That God in flesh came, and he grew into a man that eventually was crucified on the cross. See, the purpose of Jesus was to inaugurate the kingdom of God. The purpose of Jesus was to begin to teach us what it means to live new life in him. But the purpose of Jesus led him to a cross. And we partake of physical elements because Jesus was literally physically on this earth. And at that last supper, when they're celebrating the Passover and Jesus takes that meal as recorded in the gospel, he takes the entire thing and reorients it to himself, that he is the great deliverer from exile. This is my body broken for you. This is the cup of the new covenant of my blood shed for you. Before we partake today, I would encourage you if you're not near God, to take a moment and commit to him the best treasure you have, and that's you. He's drawn near to you. He desires to be near, close, within you, bringing new life and abundant life and everything that life is intended to be in him. So Lord, Lord, for those that feel far from you, I pray they simply just ask, that you draw close, and you will. For those that need the forgiveness of sins, I pray they simply ask. And the Bible says you are faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We thank you for your grace and mercy, your forgiveness. For those that have been struggling with their faith, I pray you reassure them once again today that you're with them always and you're going to help them through. We thank you for that, Lord. So, Lord, that this bread represents your broken body crucified on a cross for us, given for us in our place, that you literally paid the wage of sin, which is death, for us. Lord, we thank you for that. This baby born was eventually a man crucified. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to save us. Thank you. We partake of the bread together in remembrance of your crucifixion on the cross. Lord, in this cup, Grape juice represents the blood of Jesus. For the sacrifice sheds blood for the forgiveness of sins. It covers us. We stand in it. For the forgiveness of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, it washes us and cleanses us and makes us white as snow right in here. Thank you, Jesus, 
but going to that length, to that extreme, to be able to forgive us and be the once and done, no more needed sacrifice for all of humanity. We thank you for that. Partake of the cup together. Now, before you head out and get back to your Christmas festivities, I want you to take a moment and just worship him and thank him and focus on him and remind yourself that he's the reason why we're celebrating, amen? Let's do that. We, we praise you, Jesus, and we worship you. Lord, that we don't get lost in all the activities of, of the next two days but our focus stays on you in our hearts. Lord, that, that when we're with family and friends, we give good cheer. But we also bring the peace that you are. We thank you, Lord, for the peace that you brought to us because you have forgiven us. You've reconciled us back to the Father. Thank you. But I pray as we celebrate Christmas, we're sharing you, the light of who you are, with those around us. To let others know the best gift they can receive is salvation that you offer so freely. Thank you. Thank you for what you've done in my life, for in each one of our lives, Lord. Lord, we're not perfect. We're still figuring this out. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for working with us. Well, this morning we, we proclaim you and we lift you high. There is no other. There's no Caesar. There's no prime minister. There's no president. There's nobody that compares to you. For you're not just the king, but you're the king of kings. You're not just the Lord, but you're the Lord of lords. And to you, at the end of all things, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord. So we praise you today and we worship you today. And like those wise men, we come in wonder and we come in awe that God would do what he has done. Oh, Lord, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, thank you. Oh, Jesus. Mm. Amen. Amen. Well, Merry Christmas. If I see you again tonight, I'll be happy to see you. If not, have a wonderful break and, and a break from work and to be with family. We'll see you next Sunday.